many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. We're excited to be back with you in our weekly broadcast of Taking Care of Business. Today, Tuesday, September 19th, in New York, world leaders are gathered for the United Nations General Assembly. As such, we decided to have a multinational broadcast of Taking Care of Business, (laughs) where a Scotsman, an Irishman, and an Israeli discuss business. Let's see how it will work. Um, Like last week, uh, we have two guests today. Uh, They are partners, Ian McCorkendale and Fergal Duff, directors at M3 Development Management, or in short, M3DM. M3DM has a third partner, Dave Shields. Unfortunately, he could not be here with us. Good morning, gentlemen, and thank you for being our guest. Good, Good morning, morning, Dave. Thanks for having us. Um, Fergal, I'm very happy to have you because I can understand your English, not like our Scots friend that nobody can understand his accent. Yeah, so have my moments, though. It's, uh, it's <laughs> a little bit different. Dave, no, one under, no one wants to understand me. <laughs> I see. Um, so our show is structured in a certain way. First, we want to learn about your personal life, and uh, we ask about uh, where you come from and how you got to, to, open your, to start your business. And once we kind of learn more about your personal life, we kind of dive into the business. Uh, however, I want to start this one with a business question, if, if it's okay. On average, how long does your project take? Like a project that you go, on average, how long does it take? Three, probably three years. We're working in some big ones at the moment that are, what the biggest one we've got at the moment is five years mm-hmm. from the beginning, right the way through to commissioning and close out. So the reason for my question is, uh, when we do research, we also go on website and we see that your website is a project under construction. <laughs> so how long is that going to take? Uh, That's the reason for my question. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, we've been pretty busy uh, and we've went through quite a lot of growth in the last year and the website has been lacking. And, it's a, uh, the, the fact that we don't have a, west, a website <laughs> is probably a testament to our success over the last year and a half. So. We, uh, we simply just have to keep pushing it off. Uh, we yeah. have other sort of priorities <laughs> to keep yeah. us busy. It's almost an anti-marketing campaign because the referral-based system's working so good. So it's another year and a half to complete the, if, if an average of three years, at yeah. least. So another year no, and a half. We, we just moved into this new office that you're sitting in, Dave, and we're, we're, that's the next focus point. I see. And you don't big believers in social media because according to our research, you are still the president of M2I on your, on your own social media. <laughs> if there may be legacy items from the last company I worked for, and I wore about three hats there, so there might be some other entities that pop up. Well. I thought you were advanced from M2 to M3, but you kind I of rejected. We've, we've actually trademarked M4 for the Okay, enough with that. Uh, I just had to, you know, a little bit rub it in. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your bios, and I'll start with you for a go. Yeah. Why? Because um, he's more interesting. Uh, I can understand his English. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess the listeners will have a problem with your English and my accent. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, so you have 17 years' experience in real estate development, and um, you know you have your holding the MRAIC, which I have to explain to our listeners, which is member of Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. No. 
I'm, a, I'm an architect by profession. Says. That's what it says on you. <laughs> it's uh, it's the, uh, the Royal Architectural Institute of Canada. Okay. Um, and then I'm also a member of the Royal Institute of British Architects. Um, so, yeah, I graduated from uh, University College Dublin uh, with a degree in architecture and a degree in architectural science in 2000. Yeah, we have this REBA, Royal Institute of British that, that Architects. That may be me. The, the, the charter severe. So you have it as well. Paperwork together. Both of you have it. So I, going back to what I discussed earlier about social media information, let's after this show you have an hour to yeah, finish we'll, to we'll uh, complete. You're also a project manager professional. That's manager correct. Professional, yeah. and um, you have uh, been involved in a lot of downtown major office projects in Calgary. Yeah, um, I came to Calgary in. Uh, 2012, uh, just just under five years ago, um, basically to start uh, a new project downtown, which was um, an, an office tower for Manulife Real Estate. Uh, it's just finishing up now, actually. Um, so I was involved in that with my previous company for uh, pretty much from inception right through to you know close to completion of construction there. And a lot of uh, also. Uh history and experience with mixed-use projects and, and residential yeah, and all of the above. I I've say. moved around a fair bit. Uh, I worked in Dublin for several years and then I decided to sort of see the world a little bit. Um, I was in Sydney, Australia for about five years. I worked in Singapore for several uh, months um, and then before coming to Calgary I was in Doha in Qatar uh, for about four and a half years. So. Over that time, sort of worked in a lot of different fields, architectural design, project management, development, um, trying to see things from a lot of different perspectives. Perfect. On a bit different perspectives, what about that place in Germany that you told me about there? Oh, that was, that was a summer job when I was a student, but uh, yeah, working in a printing factory there for, for uh, in a In Germany? Summer. Yeah. Where? In uh, Nuremberg. Okay. Um, and uh, worked out a little deal with some of my uh, colleagues there from Serbia that uh, we, we, we split the shift. So I was only working about half an hour and then I'd have an, an hour and a half break where we'd sit in a little uh, smoking room, probably about half the size of this boardroom, uh, drinking beer from the, um, from the vending machines. I, I'd never seen vending machines in a factory before. So it was, uh, it was quite- A uh, beer vending machine. Yeah, a beer vending machine. A couple of lads had a few missing fingers, but uh, it seemed like it didn't sort of affect their work productivity. So I, I have to ask you, did you import that idea to Ireland? Uh, well, we're, we're trying to import it here into our, into our office. We've, we've got, we're starting a little uh, scotch collection here in our, in our, uh, in our uh, breakout area, but uh, we'll see if that affects us. Yeah, perfect. Ian, uh, you come with 19 years experience in real estate development and um, you, you are a member of the Royal Institution Chartered Surveyors. You got that right. Yeah. Uh, and professional quantity surveyor. Yeah. As well as... Uh, and, professional in lead, which is leadership in energy and environmental design. Uh, you're also recognized here in our city in Calgary uh, in different kind of avenues, uh, one of them to be the Calgary Economic Development Real Estate uh, Consulting uh, Committee. Uh, you just was appointed or nominated as a Randall College Society Board and many other uh, involvement in Buildex and University of Calgary teaching. So both of you have a lot of experience in the real estate sector, in construction, in management, but that's not interesting. Let's talk about the history. 
So, Fergal, you're from Ireland, and you, where in Ireland? I uh, grew up in the Midlands, uh, County Leash. That's why I have such a neutral, uh, understandable accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about we that yesterday <laughs> with, uh, with another uh, Irish lady. She's from Dublin. Uh, okay. Um, so, um, yeah, I grew up on a farm there. I'm the youngest of seven kids. and um, No TV? Oh, yeah, yeah, lots of TV. No, the parents didn't have TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, I was a surprise. There's a, there's an eight-year gap between me and my next oldest sibling, so um, I was the uh, I was the, sort of the last uh, the last one to come along. So growing on a farm, uh, did you, were you involved in the routine of, you know, well, the farm routine? Yeah, I mean, we all had a part to play, obviously. You know, it's it's, it's kind of, it's a family business, I suppose. And, and uh, you know, when I, reflecting on kind of how I ended up doing what I'm doing now, um, you know, farmers are often not thought about as being entrepreneurs, but, you know, it was a family business and self-employed and, you know, we had to take risks and, and put everything at stake. So um, I guess that's kind of part of the background. What kind of farm? Was it livestock? Or? Uh, we had a little bit of everything. Uh, my brother runs the farm now and it's turned into a very high-tech business. Um, he's an animal embryologist and sort of services uh, different farms all over Europe. But um, <clears throat> yeah, obviously uh, I probably had a bit of an easier time than some of my older brothers. Uh, I see. And uh, did you play any sports? Um, a little bit. I mean, I went to uh, Catholic school all through um, education and uh, there were options to sort of play Gaelic sports or uh, Gaelic sports. So uh, <laughs> I, I dabbled a little bit in hurling and, and Gaelic football, but um, I, I never really excelled at it. So yeah. so Gaelic football is the national game, but yeah. more than football, which we call here soccer. Yeah, well, it, obviously it varies from different parts of the country, which is Shinty. the most uh, popular sports, but uh, rugby union is probably the biggest sport right now. Uh, just depends what uh, which which national team seems to be doing the best, but uh, uh, GAA or the Gaelic Athletic Association is is, is a big part of of uh, you know the community in in rural Ireland. So you finish high school and you go to Dublin to the big city. How is that move from a farm to the big city of Dublin? Well, you know it's funny. It's it's a small country, so the move from where I grew up to Dublin it's probably about a sixty kilometer commute. Uh, but at that time, it felt to me like I was moving halfway across the country, which is also accurate. But um, I, uh, I used to try, I tried to get home probably every other weekend, but then suddenly the, the, the time frame between visits became longer. So <laughs> I settled into life up there pretty, pretty uh, well and I had a, a couple of great uh, roommates. I lived on campus at UCD for, for most of the time I was there and um, had, a, had a great time. Uh, and the uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you graduated with an uh, architecture degree. So, seventh farm kid, where does architecture, architecture well, comes from? I guess my family is pretty uh, um, extraordinary in that sense. I mean, we all uh, we all had uh, opportunities to go to university, and actually, one of my older sisters is not also an architect. And she has her own firm, um, which she runs uh, uh, down in, in uh, Ballyfin, where, where I'm from. Um, and a lot of my other brothers and sisters have degrees, uh, several of them from UCD as well. 
But how did you come to architecture? Did you follow your sister or it was your dream from a childhood? Uh, you know, it was a few different aspects. Um, oh, you built fences for the sheep? or We, we built a lot of our own uh, Why are you looking at me when structures? you said sheep? <laughs> you looked right at me when you said sheep. That's, that's no. profiling, David. Um, we built a lot of our own sheds on the farm. I guess that was part of it. My, my dad worked for a steel company for a long time, erecting sheds around the country. Um, my sister obviously was an architect. I had an interest in engineering and I was, you know, interest in art as well. I'm actually the, the art curator for M3 here. You'll see that oh, we've got the lobby. Um, so it was kind of a mixture between sort of creative and, and mathematical sort of sides of my brain or whatever. Ian, let's uh, talk about you a little bit. You come from uh, the next isle, next yeah. to Ireland. And uh, where in Scotland were you born? Yeah, just spend your youth. Uddingston, which is just, I always say Glasgow. I mean, it's just it's just outside it, but uh, that's where I grew up. I see. By the way, congratulations. I saw that the Glasgow Rangers are in third place, better than yeah. the last few years. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you're happy. They're, even they're, though, coming, they're coming back. It's even though point. they tied on the weekend with the worst team in the Scottish oh, Premier yeah, League, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so did you play any sport? Did you uh, kind of uh, excel in sports? Played soccer. Yeah, played football. Football. Football, football. Yeah, with football. the foot, not football with the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, what's, what is it in Scotland? Football or it's rugby? Football. Or rugby? Football is a game for gentlemen played by hooligans, and rugby is a game for hooligans played by gentlemen. <laughs> I, I was the former. I see. Uh, that's a good way of uh, putting it. So, uh, high school, university. Um, you didn't go to university following high school. No, I uh, didn't do too well at school. I was busy skateboarding and doing things that I probably shouldn't have been Football, doing. Football, girls. Yeah, yeah. Drinking, Cars, drinking <laughs> all the all the key ingredients like the cultural upbringing and in Scotland. Uh, no, I, I always had an interest in aviation, and I ended up working for Rolls Royce. I managed to get an apprenticeship there, and I went in there and. I got a three-year apprenticeship and then I'd done a year and got my trade papers and uh, qualified to go back to university and put my head down. And um, well, you went later to university, right? Yeah. And you got a degree in? I, a quantity surveying. So, I see. Yeah. And if I kind of uh, connect some of your drinking buddies or school buddies or whatever, football buddies, and ask him, so what do you say about Ian? I know I have to work with him, I know him in Calgary. What do you say about Ian? What uh, do you probably, think they will say? You'd probably hear some interesting stories. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any story you want to share with us? Absolutely not. <laughs> You're pleading the fish. I've got a quarter bite memory. <laughs> Uh, so how did you get from, you know, a sheet metal worker at Rolls-Royce to uh, a quality surveyor in the university? Well, I, I, I learned a lot when I was uh, working in the factory floor at Rolls-Royce and I worked with some excellent tradesmen. I got a real insight into life and values. Uh, the quantity surveying degree that I chose, I chose it specifically because it was a really good profession that was exported around the world and in particular the Commonwealth. And funnily enough, even when I, I chose the degree, Canada was on my short list and I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity after graduating uh, to come out here and finish top of my class. I got a first class honours degree and uh, the company had a buddy who was working in Toronto and they were looking for a second person, he recommended me. And that's how I came over in 1998. So. I see. Uh, well, you know, time flies and we have to take our first commercial break. 
so to our listeners, make sure to open a new tab and check our social media, LinkedIn and Facebook, as, as well as Twitter. Uh, Cassandra is going to share some of the pictures of us sitting here in the boardroom. Uh, only of, and it, there's only coffee in those cups. I can guarantee you there. At the moment, uh, the show has another 40 minutes to go, so we don't know how it will end up. How it will end up, and we'll meet you here following the commercial. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with our guest Ian McCorkendale and Fergal Duff, uh, partners and uh, co-owners and directors of M3 Development Management in Calgary. Um, Fergal, I have a, a kind of a question, repeat question. You finished with your degree as an architect. What was your first job out of university? Um, I worked as an architect for uh, one of my tutors, uh, who was uh, Derek Tyan Architects in Dublin. It was a, it was a great little practice. Uh, worked with them for about two years. Um, and it was uh, worked in a, a great building that that's uh, in the, on the north side of Dublin, um, a community resource centre, almost exclusively on that for the, for the two years. But then 
after September 11th, there was a little bit of a sort of a mini recession, and I had always kind of had ideas that I was going to travel, but that kind of precipitated my decision to leave. Uh, I traveled around Asia for a couple of months and then found myself in Sydney. Ian, what was your first job after you got your diploma in the university? Well, we were running back in that year. We normally had about 10 projects a month, but we were monitoring for banks. But I remember uh, Urban Corp, 151 Merton Street in Toronto. And I still remember it was the first site that I ever walked in Canada. And it was in our one, the Prince Arthur, which is in Yorkville as well. So those were a couple of the big projects we worked on. I see. So I have a question for you. Fergal mentioned his family being farmers and being entrepreneurs as farmers, which is I totally agree and understand. Any entrepreneurs in your family, siblings, parents? My dad was very much a, a sort of entrepreneur on the sports front. He started boys clubs for football and uh, actually one of them won uh, the Scottish Cup, the under 14 team. So he. He was uh, he had a phenomenal impact in the community uh, of sports. He was an accountant to trade, which is probably where I get my number skills that Fergal's <laughs> laughing at the moment. But uh, and my mom, she worked, uh, she was a clerk, and uh, but raising two two boys was enough, especially me and my brother. So I kept her busy. <laughs> um, so Fergal, going back to you, I have a question. You know, you mentioned Australia, Qatar. Singapore. I know you've been to Romania. Yeah. Um, how did you end up in Calgary? <laughs> uh, well, I met my wife uh, Sarah in Doha, and um, we we eloped and got married about a year after we we uh, met each other. We um, we followed up a few years later and had a wedding in in Houston, where she grew up. Um, and at the wedding, lots of people were asking us, you know, what are your what are your plans? How long are you going to stay in the Middle East? And we're like, ah, oh, you know, another few years. I was doing an MBA at the time as well, and I was like, definitely not going to go until I have that finished. We got back to Doha, and just like everything that was challenging about that place, suddenly, um, you know just became really difficult for us. Um, I had actually had a, uh, a message from a guy who I'd worked with before uh, the day of the wedding. He said, you know, I, I can't make it. I'm sorry, but I'm in Calgary. And if ever you want a, a job, just give me a call. So uh, when we got back to Doha, that idea just kept annoying us in the back of our mind. So uh, we, we just, as soon as the, the opportunity came up, we, we left. Um, and uh, you know we want we wanted to start a family and Calgary seemed as good a place as anywhere. It was uh, kind of a nice compromise between Europe and uh, Texas. You know where Sarah grew up. It's got the Western influence, the oil and gas industry, and uh, you know Canadians are are uh, nice people to get along with too. They're almost Brits. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we arrived in uh, October after the first snowfall, and we went from plus fifty to minus thirty within the matter of a couple of weeks. And we were, it took a little bit of a time to get over that initial shock, but uh, it's it's been a great experience. So uh, that was 2012. So Ian, you mentioned that you came here straight out of university. Okay, yeah, I came to Canada. I was 98 to 05 in Toronto, and then came out here in 06 and been there, been here since. Okay, um, so it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that you decided to kind of become entrepreneurs and own your own business, at a, not at a young age that uh, we see today a lot of entrepreneurs. So um, why did you decide that this is the right time to, or the right age to, you know, drop all those pay, good paying jobs and start your own business? 
Well, my my part, I think our parts were actually pretty similar. Now. Who convinced who? Who convinced who? I think we convinced each other. We actually met uh, last year, and we I think we were both in parallel tracks, but we quickly converged uh, for 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 our business. Mines was very selfish. I wanted to take two months off last summer and go back and spend time with my mum and my brother and my nephews and, and my family uh, back in Scotland and took Janice and our two sons, Ewan and, and Ryan. So we, that was, it was a textbook start. I started a business, left after two months and took two months off. So for sure I needed Classic business. <laughs> for sure I needed business partners and uh, managed to have the two best guys in town in Fergal and Dave. So uh, it was very personal that I wanted a break and, and get some time with my family. I see. Um, you know, I have to ask that question. So the first few meetings you had to discuss the business, coffee shop or a bar? Coffee. Yeah, we try, we try to keep it keep it straight for the first few <laughs> meetings. We're testing each other. Well, we have to invent now a new joke about the Irish and the Scots meeting in a coffee shop. I was, I was because everything for, I found is a meeting in a bar. Yeah, it's looking for weaknesses. <laughs> I see. Um, my my next question is: You mentioned uh, you just mentioned that you guys started in June 2016, and yeah. this was the height, or maybe I should say, the low of our recession here. Mm -hmm. So, why during the height of a recession, where is the sense of this is the right time to open a company? To it's start the best time company. to open a company. Best, yeah. I mean. Um, in our business, uh, in real estate, I mean, when, when the going gets tough, I guess people are watching where they spend their money a little bit more closely. And we're very much focused on a sort of value creation model for our business. Um, and, you know, we we act as owner representatives. We, we, we're entrusted with their money and we, we we treat their investments as if they're our own. Um, so that kind of care and attention is is exactly what owners are looking for, uh, particularly in a recession. So uh, we figured, you know, if, if we can make it in this kind of environment, when things come around inevitably they will, um, we'll be in the best position possible. However, if I remember right, there was almost kind of a standstill in construction in to an end of 2015, the beginning of 2016. So where this idea of this is the right time, even though there's no new construction or very little new construction, and you have to feed three, uh, you know, partners and their families, and you have to feed the employees. So where does that? Well, I, I can tell you it didn't come from our website because we didn't. Have <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think what happened, I think Fergal's very well connected in the industry, as is Dave and, and, and myself, given our histories, and we're, we're very loyal and we love doing what we're doing and we're very passionate about it. I think when we started, we already had a few projects, each of us, and we had some really good uh, clients, and it was one project in particular. Uh, that came towards us and it really brought the three of us together and it brought skill sets together and the clients that we've got a lot of them are have been sitting in positions for a while and they've not yet had the the ability to get the program uh, ready get it permitted get it in the ground get construction costs secured low and have us do a lot of work for it and i think the timing uh, has been a lot of planning mm -hmm. done in 2016, mm -hmm. planning 2017, and it'll be execution more in 2018. And I mean, it wasn't an accident, it was timing, and we, we felt we were very confident moving down that. And we're getting projects into the ground. We've, this year alone, 
uh, five construction contracts, 115 million of value that we've done this year already. And uh, we really do uh, walk the talk, whereas a lot of others don't. Um, so, you know, a decision like this boils within you for a while mm -hmm. before you make mm -hmm. that step forward and make the decision and sign the dotted line. So was there any other influence or mentorship or mentored or business coach that you guys used or each one of, because each one of you came from a different, even though you met, you came from a different kind of uh, focus at that time or, or work at that time. So was there any influence on it? It's an individual thing about Fergal, let's start with you. Well, uh, my wife, Sarah, is my business coach. Uh, she, uh, we, we had our second baby on the 4th of May, uh, delivered at home. Mazel tov. Um, delivered. And uh, it was... Uh, we all have our issues. <laughs> I guess it, it was partly a rush of adrenaline through that experience, but, but also just, I mean, and it, it's part of, you know, uh, having the opportunity or the, the privilege to live in Canada. She was on a, a year's maternity leave, um, and I felt like that was the opportunity for us as a family to sort of take this risk for me to sort of put all my time into developing a business. Um, I initially started out yeah, on a patch of carpet in our unfinished basement. That was kind of our office, which is slightly different to the surroundings we're in now. Um, but I thought, you know, I wanted to do this on my own. Um, but when I started talking to Ian and, and then eventually we got together with Dave as well, I realized, you know, I, I didn't want to do this on my own. I wanted to have partners and, and have the, the support and backup. But yeah, all through it was, um, you know, having the support um, of Sarah, who's, you know, a business graduate and, and uh, you know, a, a very successful person in her own right. And, Hopefully we can entice her to sort of come and, and work for us and help us out, sort of get our <laughs> operations together. Maybe even get a website. website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's she was sort of the, the main uh, person to sort of back me up on this. Ian, what about you? Same, my my wife's always chances always encouraged me, and you know, I, my my father passed away in '05, and that was a big part of the reason coming out to Calgary in '06. And I've had, uh, I, I have a general no fear mentality, and time is precious, and. For years, Janice has been telling me, you know, that you, you can do this, you can go on your own. Um, I learned a lot uh, with Ron uh, over at Matco. I had five really good years for him. We still had client and we, we get three contracts with him. But he always had this line, he says, it'll feel different when it's your own company. It'll feel different when you're writing checks. And and it does, and I don't think there's a day goes by that I don't think of those, those words. And I think that experience with him as well was probably the final push to do what we're doing. Uh, but like uh, Fergo said, you need good partners and your wives are, are the first, that's first and foremost. And they hey, spot I things vote for that. that. I vote for that. And, and, I, and I do remember you taking me to Grumman's for breakfast and coaching me a bit. And maybe your memory's not as sharp as mine, but you were giving me some advice. On that I'm old. The year. As yeah. you know, I'm old. Uh, it's, it's the Scotch has finally taken its toll, David. You know, a typical entrepreneur has that belief. Um, I know I'm going to make it since I know what I'm going to do. Did you guys have the same feeling when you started this M3 DM? I did. Yeah, when, when we got together, the three of us, uh, there was no doubt. But when I was on my own, the, that first few months sitting in the basement, <laughs> looking around, uh, I, there were definitely some some, some doubts <laughs> creeping in there, yeah. So there were some uh, white nights, not because of the baby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, but, you know, actually some, some of the clients that I had initially, those, those first few clients probably had more belief in me than I had in myself for a while. 
um, and uh, you know they they were a big part of of me. So the encouragement to sort of go out on my own. Uh, you know, I have to credit where credit is due. I wouldn't have done it without their sort of backup. I remember when I started my first business, it was 1990, and um, I didn't sleep for three weeks before I made the decision. <laughs> three weeks later, after I opened my first insurance brokerage, my father calls me and he goes, you know, I haven't slept for three weeks. <laughs> I said, I didn't sleep before I made a decision. After I made a decision, I'm more focused. Did you guys have the same kind of before and after? I, the final decision of inking that agreement? I, I had, uh, we went for coffee twice and uh, I figure people are pretty quick and I think the thing that binds the three of us our work ethic and our humble upbringing and Fergo and myself <coughs> seem to uh, talk and, Dave, and I've known Dave for four years as well we talk the same language and I think that that puts me at complete ease I, you know when you you figure people that you can be yourself be around all the time and uh, I think the three of us were just really, really motivated on the same track. So when you started in June 2016, did you guys have mission, vision, purpose, core values, or just a business? I was, I was off for two months in the summer back in Scotland, Dave, so I was focused on things. <laughs> we're, I mean, I think we, we're still trying to define those things, but I mean, the underlying understanding between the three of us is the same. I mean, we have the same ambitions and, and, and drive. And I think, you know, once we get some time to sit down and write, put these things to paper, I, I think it'll be fairly quick. The first agreement that uh, we, we drafted together, we, we talked about, we drafted and executed within about 24 hours. So I don't think we're going to have too many disagreements. You know, sure that was our initial uh, memorandum of understanding. Yeah. But but, but as you grow and you hire more people, is it, don't you think it will be important to have the mission, vision, purpose that everybody kind of buys in? Yeah, that's what we're we'll actually get a business mind. Maybe Fergo wants to talk about that. Well, that's where hopefully Sarah will come in as our operations manager and, and help us sort of put this stuff together, try to corral the three of us and, uh, you know, really sort of define what, what the, the essence is of our, of our business. Well, so I don't have. The, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it's it's been a focus, and we're we're putting the the groundwork. We've already uh, through referrals. We've worked in Ontario. We're working active in Regina at the moment, and we're going to be in BC next month. So we're we need that robust infrastructure. So it's part of that uh, that next step of growth that we're doing. So I don't have the next question written here because it's not in my research, but. So what will come first, website or mission, vision, and purpose? <laughs> and a com- I need a commitment here. I think, I think we've, got, uh, we've got them all. It's just a question of putting them to paper. But <laughs> I, think the, I think the operating platform is where the focus is right now and, and some of those internal structures that we're putting. Did you guys have a business plan when you started? Or not even a business plan? Yeah, it was right in my head. It oh, okay, was, perfect. It was numbers going up the way. <laughs> No, we, we did, we had, we modeled uh, our revenue and we always look at it, we want a pretty diverse client base so that it's pr- projects sometimes now and again because the economy stall and we were pretty sophisticated how we modeled all that stuff. So you mentioned right now that you guys are working in three provinces already and you're starting the fourth province, yeah. um, which is British Columbia. Yeah. Where do you see, um, where do you see M3 DM in one, three years? Well, I mean, uh, I think 
we wanted to try and focus our operations uh, in Canada initially, um, but we see no reason why we can't. A lot of our clients are already active uh, in the United States as well. Uh, so we'd like to sort of be able to provide the same level of service for them on the other side of the border too. Um, so really it'll depend on kind of, you know, what what our clients are, are looking for, but we'd initially like to focus on getting our operating platform, you know, really tight here in Canada and then, you know, start looking towards the US in the next couple of years. And, Ed, and Edmonton's probably a focus for us as well. I think that the key thing is we're, we're a low volume, high content, and uh, the service comes first. We always need to service our clients, and it's we've got people, and we've been very fortunate with who we've hired as we've grown the company, and that'll be the, the key focus. Growth will happen as a byproduct of that. Okay, uh, we reach our second commercial break. As you know, we need to go out for commercial from time to time. Uh, when you visit and open our social media, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, connect with me on LinkedIn, and we will be back with you following the next commercial. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back for the home stretch of our show, Taking Care of Business, with our guests, Fergal Duff and Ian McCorkendale, directors of M3 Development Management. So before we went into commercial, we uh, asked you about where do you see the growth, and, and I want to go back a little bit and ask one question. So um, you start your business in tough economic times in 26, June 2016 in Calgary. Uh, so what was your brand promise? What was the value add that M3DM brings a client that was 
able to help you start and grow the business? I think our, our brand, uh, the nature of this business, I think was our, our reputation and what we had been doing prior. And I think that was our brand coming out of the gate. I think what we've done since, as Fergal mentioned earlier, we really have delivered for our clients and uh, you know we've got costs dialed down, we've, we've, we've proven it on these big projects and I think that's the, the reputation our brand carries now. The, uh, I mean the, the, the three of us, the, the M3, or you want, there's different ways of interpreting that, but it's the three partners together, um, we have uh, such diverse skills and backgrounds and complementary uh, between the three of us, I think we've got the whole sort of real estate development thing wrapped up. Um, me with my design background, um, Ian on, on the costing side and finance, and then Dave, our, our third partner, is you know genius when it comes to construction. The, the construction side. Uh, scheduling and, and uh, contracts management. So, you know, that's a really attractive um, value proposition for, for development clients, especially those who are in sitting on, you know, complex projects and just can't seem to get them off the ground. Um, and in a, in a recession, um, you know, th- those sort of uh, traits sort of are really valuable. So you, you answered half of the, my next question about, about <laughs> for your responsibilities because you say you have everyone has a kind of unique knowledge on, on one aspect. But how do you hold it, uh, each other accountable? We don't. <laughs> we, we, you know, I mean, we, we, we don't really need to. It, it's kind of like um, we're... We all kind of understand each of our strengths, and we, you know, we're we're able to sort of depend on each other so much. Mm-hmm. That's just through just the, the formation of this company. Um, but then, you know, when we get into projects, there's there's no question that we can't a- answer uh, between the three of us. So it's really just a, a dynamic sort of organic um, sort of situation that we're in. Yeah, it, it, it is very organic, and with and the three of us have a it's almost telepathic sometimes, and here and we're always adding things of value and questions and we, we meet on a structured basis. So we're always at the very beginning of the week, we go through all our job lists, what's, uh, what task can we have to do and we pinch hit for each other and Fergo's going away this Friday for, for a wedding in Toronto and we're already planning for it. So it's, it's very organic. The three of us run at the same high tempo. Uh, and I think that's one of the, the, the cornerstones, the successful part. So you have a weekly meeting that you report what you have done last week yeah. and what's your plan next week. Yeah. So that's how you First hold thing Monday morning. morning. That's how you hold each other accountable yeah. to moving yeah. forward. That's plan, perfect. Plan the work and work the plan. <laughs> and now, decision making in a threesome is tough. How do you guys, what is the process of making care, decisions? You be careful with that type of question, David. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's free range here. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> so, how do you make decisions? Is it a, there's a, there's no tiebreaker in in three owners? We've actually been very good at making decisions. Uh, Is it consensus? I think it's consensus, but I think normally two parties have more consensus, and then they approach <laughs> the third party. And uh, Fergal's beautiful painting that's there was proof of that. How we executed that procurement, but. Uh, I think we generally have the same consensus, but there's always an, a, an originator, and then there's a second, and then there's a third. But I think because we think very similar, there's not there's not been any contentious stuff to date. So. Not yet. Not yet. 
<laughs> I, I don't actually. But, but do you have mechanism if something happens? Yeah, yeah we have a yeah. USA. We, okay. we spend a lot of time sort of drafting and, and finalizing our shareholders' agreements. So um, a, a lot of the sort of important uh, decisions that we want to make will we'll have to have it's unanimous or nothing, mm-hmm. um, you know. And we we built in a commitment into our agreement as well that we that'll keep us together uh, for at least the next five years. Uh, we wanted to try and incentivize us to sort of build this business together and, and, and stick together through it. So, in the last what fifteen months that you were together since June, um, what was or what were your biggest challenges or hurdles to kind of? move forward, to grow, to to have, to get to this nice office? I, th- I don't, it's funny, all these, the, the office and all those uh, components of our business, I think actually went really smooth. I think we had a pinch point at the beginning of the year. We had several overlapping projects at critical stages and it involved a heavy amount of lifting by the three of us continuously. And I think that was pretty hard slogan, but we got it done. But as far as uh, growing the business, uh, we've been very fortunate of uh, hiring people and, and and they've come in, they've transitioned then well to the company. Our service has been uh, consistent. So it's it's not, I don't think there's been anything that we've, we've felt very challenging on that front. No, it was probably just that first few months of, yeah. of really trying to feel each other out and, and, uh, and work out each other's sort of how, how we work together um, and uh, as Ian said like when when we first got together Ian disappeared for two months <laughs> off to Scotland so that was, that was pretty uh, interesting challenge oh, yeah, I was testing, testing <laughs> I was down at uh, I was in Colorado for a week and a half at a, at a wedding uh, my uh, my wife's sister got married and I was trying to hold uh, conference calls over <laughs> and with Ian in, in some uh some field in Scotland and me in Colorado and then uh, our project team all over the world on this uh, large project so that was probably the most challenging part but you know on the other hand uh, I know it's only 15 months but what what do you guys feel is your biggest achievement so far a win I think there's a I mean we we don't talk about projects you know in in detail because everyone's confidential but there's one there's one in particular we've had substantial impact on uh, and financially and and we've managed to improve the design and for for me on a project level basis I think that that would probably be number one and uh, number two we get another the YWCA project in Inglewood's it started getting in the ground two days ago and it's just phenomenal to see that when, when we get projects going. I think the biggest achievement actually, I, I loved last week when Dave's mum came in and she was just talking about how much the company means for Dave and, and partners and people and we had champagne and beer and it was just a moment like that that was, that was just great, it was just simple and it was very informal and very impromptu and yeah. uh, there's going to be many, many more moments of that M3. Uh, we are two blo- few blocks away. And there's all two bars those, downstairs. All those beer, champagne, and I scotch uh, <laughs> events. There's two bars downstairs. <laughs> we don't have to go too far. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's been great having this space. I mean, the, the feeling of walking into our own space. Um, and, uh, you know, my family's been here a few times. The kids were playing on the yeah. on the office chairs, rolling up and down the, the <laughs> corridors here. But, uh, you know, just, to, just that feeling of us being together in our own place, that's something that we built together. That's That was that's the greatest yeah. achievement for me. 
As owners, what do you think is your most important role in the company? Is it holding hands? Is it bringing more business? Is it following a project? What is the one role that each one of you has that is the most important in your position? I think, I think it's all of the above, uh, to, to be honest. It's just a balance of that. I think one of the things that's key for sustainability is uh, bringing on talent and mentoring and managing talent to deliver the services. We've all done and continue to do business development and uh, client management, but I think what really excites me anyway, we've got some really great people in our organization and I think continuing to focus and grow on that. The sustainability, we're in talent management, we're in time, that's our commodity, and uh, it's it's only going to be as good as every last person in the world. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, so as you know, as I mentioned, this is a, our show is about, you know, also giving the opportunity to our new entrepreneurs more kind of an advice and giving them the opportunity to understand how uh, to start a business and how to work on a business. So um, how do you measure the, your success? Do you have key performance indicators, uh, leading, le uh, lagging? How do you measure? Is it just the bottom line? I can maybe, I think Fergal maybe want to talk about the, the operational side. On the metric side, we have uh, very good software. We're always tracking our, our WIP, our, you know, our, our billable amount, and we're doing projections month to month and, and forecasting ahead. The, the, the financial stuff is pretty straightforward. It's easy to do, uh, but it's a layer cake, and it's a layer cake of projects. It's a layer cake of uh, clients, and, it, and they're all projects at different stages. I think you always have to have a dynamic client base and never uh, have all your eggs in one basket. And I think that's the key to the financial sustainability on the operational, maybe Fergus gets some views on that. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mentioned the MBA that I was doing when I was in Doha. Um, I, um, you know, I took a lot of, uh, of key lessons from that experience. I never actually did end up finishing it, um, <laughs> despite all of our great plans. You still, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm looking into maybe uh, taking it up again here in Calgary and, and, and getting another uh, piece of paper to stick over my desk. Over here the internet. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe. Um, but obviously, um, you know, myself and Dave particularly have a, a big focus on our sort of operations flat platform. We'd like to get um, some of our processes and procedures sort of down on paper, and we can use that then to um, power some of our expansion plans into sort of other geographies uh, and, and business lines. But I, I think, you know, once we, we can sort of settle down a little bit uh, in, after our startup mode, we'll, we'll be focusing a lot on that. We want to get um, ISO certified so we can sort of uh, demonstrate sort of the, the, the rigor that we apply to projects, the, the repeatable uh, processes that we, we uh, execute to sort of bring success. But a, another sort of measure is just, you know, the, the amount of repeat clients that we have, the repeat business and referrals that we get. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the thing that really sort of stands out for us. Other people are, are telling us that we're doing things right. So that's... That's good enough for me. So you track uh, how many projects you have right now and what do you have three months down the road? 12 months. 12 months down the road. Just because the, the length of projects, it's yeah. easier for you to do a long-term. Uh, you can you can do you can do long term, but really we always take a sort of twelve months rolling and and just watch for project. And once projects go in the ground, they're they're all locks for you know 24, 36 month cycles. So the the real trick is to get them in the ground, get them viable, get the construction costs where they need to be, and and uh, that's that's what our focus is in twenty seventeen. 
Now, when you start a company and you're looking for business, were there projects you said not interested? Yes, definitely. Um, How tough was it? <clears throat> very easy. Why? In 2009, after the, the kind of crash, financial Armageddon, I, I personally got involved in a lot of receivership uh, projects and I got involved in 18 of them and there were case studies and what not to do and uh, been very sensitized to that and only want to be part of uh, successful projects with the right types of groups. It's not that we're um, uh, ultra conservative, but we, we got to believe in our projects and, and uh, if you don't believe in, in the team or the projects or the group, then you're better just taking a pass and we've, we've done that uh, this year. Yeah, it also comes down to sort of, you know, the, the, the point in time where clients want us to get involved in projects and things like that. We, you know, we, we definitely want to be involved in things where we can really add value. If we're just there to, you know, uh, facilitate sort of a project management transaction, then, you know, there, there are lots of other groups out there who are good at that. Um, you know, we, we really want to sort of make a difference on the projects that, that we're involved in. So, in general, we don't we don't respond to sort of public uh, RFPs and things like that. We, we, we like to get involved with, with people who, who need our help and are, and are you know actively seeking us out. We have less than three minutes left. I know that time flies, right, when you're having fun, and that's before we started even drinking. Uh, any regrets uh, or mistakes you've done in the last, uh, since you kind of set together and decided on this journey? Other than the website? Other than the website and the mission vision and being interviewed to a he who has never made mistakes has never lived. I, I think you always make mistakes. You just can't make the same mistake twice. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. I think as long as your trajectory is uh, the right way, uh, you're going to make mistakes no matter what. I, I don't think we've made any mistakes. We've made some pretty bold decisions on business and projects, and we've lived to tell the tale, and uh, we're getting results, and I think that's a sign of conviction. It's better to regret something that you have done than to regret something you haven't done. done. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. So my last question, because time is kind of uh, declining on us. Um, any advice you want to give if you were to sit today with someone who wants to become an entrepreneur, what is the advice you'll give that person in order for them to make less mistakes? My, my own view is guys like yourself, David, that I've known for a while and people that have been through this before is, is listen to your mentors, listen to your peers, be patient when you do a lot of work before you make the first step, because once you make the first step, there's no turning back. So I think all of us spent uh, a lot of time thinking about what we're going to do before we actually did it. Virgil, the last, the last word is yours. Trust your instincts, you know, if you've if you've set out in the path uh, that you think is right, then you know you've obviously put a lot of thought into it already. So trust your instincts and follow it through. You know, follow your gut. That's it. Yeah. Listen to your wife. And if you <laughs> and if you have, listen to, <laughs> we get a it's, lot of good plugs today. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. My wife will be very happy with this show, <laughs> with this show today. It's but I follow work. I follow her advice as well. And uh, if it doesn't work, uh, a little bit of alcohol really helps. <laughs>
So uh, we reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. I would like to thank my guests, Ian McCorkendale and Fergal Duff, directors with M3 Development Management, for sharing with us their journey and experience from across the pond, or many ponds with you, Fergal, yeah. uh, to today as partners of M3DM. Next week, we'll be back with a new guest sharing with us their road to success as an entrepreneur. A big thank you to our listeners and, of course, to Aaron, our technician, uh, engineer, and Cassandra, our assistant. I would love to hear from your feedback, uh, dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. We'll meet you here at www.voiceamerica.com variety next Tuesday, September 26th. 8 a.m. Mountain, 10 a.m. Pacific, sorry, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.